But there's a lot of you here today. I remember when we did this in 2016, it did not look like this. Praise God that you commit to gather even if you were up till midnight, which I was not and haven't been for many years. Uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm not sure what your relationship is to New Year's resolutions. Maybe you have failed to follow through on those good resolves you have had in the final week of December so consistently that you've given up on that uh, end of the year, start of the year reflection and resolve. Maybe you do take time to think through various areas of your life and prayerfully consider uh, where and how the Lord might be calling you to grow as part of your working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, Whether it's at the end of a year uh, or not, I, I do think that an occasional time to step back and think about where you've been and uh, where you are currently and where you're headed, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think it can be a valuable thing. And so as the calendar has turned to 2023, I want to uh, ask you this morning to consider uh, the biblical virtue Uh, We could call it a grace, I think. We could call it a discipline of encouragement. I I, I wonder if you've kind of guessed that's where we might be going this morning. How high is that on your list of priorities and values and desires in 2023? Maybe you've been thinking about the year and some ways you want to grow. You want to eat healthier. Uh, You want to spend less time on social media, perhaps. Maybe less complaining, more exercise, get through that Bible reading plan this year, really. All good things. Where does it fall on your resolutions for 2023? I want to be an encouragement to the people of God in this new year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask for your grace and help. It is your spirit who gives life. Uh, The flesh is no help at all. And so we do ask for the empowering of your spirit, the presence of your spirit here among us to teach us, uh, to equip us, to strengthen us, to encourage us in this area of encouragement. We pray that you would be pleased to do that for the glory and honor of your name. Amen. Uh, You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, If you do not have a Bible with you and you would like to follow along, there should be one underneath one of those seats around you in front of you. Uh, It's going to be found, the reading is on page 988 of those pew Bibles. Um, As you're turning there, why are we talking about encouragement this morning? A couple layers to answer that question. Uh, At one level, uh, why not? Uh, We need it, don't we? (laughs) Is there anyone here today who's entered 2023 who is just suffering from over-encouragement? Just too encouraged. I need you to unload some of this encouragement from me. It's too much to handle. I don't think there's probably anybody like that. Uh, I, I came across this quote from S. Truett Cathy. I believe he is otherwise known as the founder of Chick-fil-A, a man you all love, I trust. Uh, he once asked, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? And he answered his own question 
that person is breathing. That means we all need it. Okay, this does not seem, you understand what, okay. Sometimes things just don't go as you think they're gonna go. As those who have gathered this morning in Christ, we have ample and abundant reason to be encouraged. I, I, just in thinking through the Nicene Creed when we recited that, or the songs that we've sung in the time that we've gathered here, there's a whole lot to be encouraged about. And we are looking forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We are, as we just sang, joyously bound. I love that. That is such a wonderful thing. Praise God for that little girl. That is the coolest thing that has happened to me preaching in a while. That was delightful. I love that. Praise God. Praise God for the life of little, little children in the church. Um, we are joyously bound for the promised land, but along the way there, we meet various kinds of trials and struggles and heartaches and frustrations that threaten to discourage us. Uh, we have all experienced, I trust, the daily drain of labor and the, the problem of spiritual drifting. We've experienced the weight of still carrying a sinful nature, which has been decisively defeated in Christ, but is still warring vehemently against us. We have experienced what it means to live in a fallen world, a world that is at enmity with God. And uh, we know what it is to experience breakdown within our families or frustrations in our workplace. Uh, we turn on the news and we look at the state of our culture and it is by and large quite depressing. Uh, we, some of us know the experience of aging and the, the wearing down of our bodies. Uh, we know what it is to feel tired and weary uh, faint-hearted, and perhaps sometimes it accumulates so much that it even causes us to question whether it's worth it for us to continue clinging to and trusting the Lord Jesus. Uh, if we were undefiled by sin, if we were not still warring with sin internally, and if sin was not so present externally around us, I suppose we would not be quite so needy for encouragement. But that is not our situation. We are in a fallen world with many temptations to weariness and discouragement, and so the Lord, in his wisdom and in his kindness, knowing our weakness and our frailty, knowing as he puts it in Psalm 103 for our encouragement, knowing that we are but dust, the Lord has commanded his people to give themselves regularly to encouraging one another. That's uh, what the Apostle Paul says in this one verse of Scripture that is our focus for the morning, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, the Apostle says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I really mainly want to just focus on those first four words, therefore, encourage one another. So why are we talking about encouragement? One reason is because we, we need it. Uh, another reason is uh, that around the turn of a year, maybe the last Sunday of the old year or the first Sunday of the new year, we tend to step back from maybe whatever sermon series we are in 
and have a sermon or two that is more topical in nature, uh, that focuses on a particular area uh, that may be beneficial for us as a people. Uh, Jason will do one of those next week, Lord willing, and uh, it's not the regular way we should practice preaching. We want to just be in God's Word. It would be bad for you if just every week I just decided to talk to you about what I wanted to talk about. Uh, But this Sunday, I am, actually. I just decided I'm going to talk to you about something that is near and dear to my heart, and it has grown that way just in the last couple of weeks. I was not planning to uh, preach to you on this. I wonder if any of you were really astute looking at the previous sermon card. Did you, did you, did it, was anybody expecting me to preach this morning on 1 Peter 1.13? I am just curious. A couple of you were, I mean, okay, praise God that you were looking at the card. I am not preaching on 1 Peter 1.13. If you want to hear that sermon, you can go to uh, Joy Community Fellowship of Williamstown's website, and I preached that message on September 18th of this year. So I was going to recycle one, but I thought, no, I can't do that to you. Uh, that's not why. I, I, it, about 10 days ago, I uh, came across in God's providence a series of sermons preached by Ed Moore on the theme of encouragement. Uh, Ed Moore is the senior pastor of North Shore Baptist Church in Queens, New York. Uh, I do not know Ed personally, but I know some people who know Ed personally, and they have testified that in this area of encouragement, he is a man who, he does not just talk about encouragement, but he is an incredibly encouraging brother. Uh, I do hope to meet him actually in a couple of weeks and get acquainted with him. Please pray for us beginning now as I have to drive into Queens in a couple of weeks. I am already, there is fear and trembling. But as I listened to these sermons, they, they provoked me, they moved me. I felt that they exposed personal weakness in my life and, a, and an increasing desire to devote myself to being a more encouraging member of the body of Christ uh, in my home, uh, as a husband, as a father. Okay, so I'm just making sure you can all see. I want incur- to grow there. And amongst you all, I have a lot of work to do in this area. And, as, and I just seem to me that if I have a lot of work to do in this area, perhaps we have a lot of work to do in this area. And so here we are talking about encouragement. Now my intent is not to regurgitate those messages preached by Ed Moore. I'm happy to point you to them. Uh, but I, I, do want, I just wanted to say that these are, these messages, this message is influenced by those. They were, it was kind of a springboard for me into uh, what I have found to be a vast ocean of goodness in the Bible called the doctrine of encouragement. And I want to share with you a little bit of that this morning. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I, I, in thinking about that verse with you this morning, I want to observe the call to encouragement, the grounds for encouragement, and the practice of encouragement. The call to encouragement, the grounds for encouragement, and the practice of encouragement. And I do fear that I'm probably going to preach to you really only the first two points. Some of you will be thankful for that. And others of you, I'm happy to talk more about it with you afterwards. It is my sincere prayer that as we would think about God's word together this morning, that we would receive a blessing from the Lord, both in the hearing and the doing of it. Uh, We are called to encouragement. That's pretty straightforward, right? Therefore, 
encourage one another. Uh, we are encouraged to do it regularly. Encourage one another, Paul says, and build one another up, just as you are doing. So this isn't just a one-time give a little shot of encouragement to someone. You are doing it, he says to the Thessalonians, but keep on, keep at it. It's something that we're to regularly, continuously give ourselves to. We, we know that explicitly from what the writer of Hebrews says about this area of encouragement. He says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but exhort one another. It's the same word used in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, translated encourage. It says, exhort one another, and you all are, you, you know your Bibles. What does he say? Exhort one another how often? Daily, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we are called to encourage one another, and we're called to do it every day, actually. What does it mean to encourage? I'm not trying to insult you by asking that question. We maybe have a vague idea of encouragement, but I don't know that our culture helps us to think rightly about the idea of encouragement. I think generally when we hear the word encourage and encouraging someone, I, th I think generally what we are thinking is just helping somebody to feel good. And I'm not saying that's entirely wrong. Certainly the aim of encouragement is not to make somebody feel bad. But to encourage someone is, is to do more than simply help them feel good. It's not just to sort of uh, give them a pep talk and just help them see things on the bright side a little bit more. The, the word here translated encourage or exhort in Hebrews uh, chapter 3 is the Greek word parakaleo. And it, it means, literally it means to call from alongside of someone. So it means to get around somebody, to get close to somebody, and to, to call them. It's to use words to build somebody up. And the word is translated in the New Testament many different ways. I mentioned encourage, and I mentioned exhort. It's also the word used in the uh, passage that I called us to worship from in 2 Corinthians, where it says comfort. It is translated as urge. It is translated as appeal and entreat, and implore, and plead, and beg, and instruct. Uh, at the end of the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, you, you've, been, you've born with me, this has been a brief word of exhortation. He calls his entire letter a word of exhortation, and it's the noun form of this word. It's been a brief word of encouragement. And if you're familiar with the, with the book of Hebrews, there's a whole lot of different forms of encouragement that the writer of Hebrews gives. He encourages them by pointing them unrelentingly to Jesus and how wonderful and amazing and glorious he is. But he also encourages them by speaking to them of promises that Jesus has made about what's yet to come. And he encourages them as he calls them to run the race that is set before them and hold fast to the faith. And he encourages them by warning them of dangers that are to come if they will not hold fast. He encourages them by giving them ethical instruction about how to handle their money and how to relate to strangers and how to, how to conduct themselves in marriage. The, 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 this idea of encouragement is very broad, not just making somebody feel good, but coming alongside of someone to give them support and confidence and strength in helping them to remain faithful to the Lord. 
That's the idea in encouragement. For encouragement to be biblical, it aims specifically at building someone up, strengthening someone in their devotion to and their loyalty to and their commitment to the Lord Jesus. Right? The aim is to the glory of God. We're to eat and drink to the glory of God. Certainly the aim of our encouragement is the glory of God. So, so Paul, earlier in this letter to the Thessalonians, he says, uh, to them, he reminds them of their experience with him when he was there planting the church. He says in chapter 2, verse 11, you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted you, that's the word translated encourage, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's what we're aiming to do in encouragement. Help People walk worthily of God. Not worthily as in we could do something to earn God saving us, but walking in a way that would be befitting of the great grace that he has shown us in calling us into his kingdom and glory. Help people walk worthily of that great calling that we have received in Christ. It's like Jonathan coming alongside of David in a time of crisis and pain. And he doesn't, say, he doesn't just pat David on the back and say, it'll be okay. We're told there in 1 Samuel 23, he strengthened his hand in God, pointed him to God, pointed him to God's promises. And so as Jonathan encouraged David, we are to be about that business of encouraging one another, giving each other courage, strengthening others to love Jesus, rely upon Jesus, remain faithful to Jesus, obey Jesus, submit to Jesus, help them glorify Jesus. And we all need that encouragement every day. To endure suffering, to reject temptation, to make sacrifices in the cause of love, to embrace discipline, to persevere in ministry, whether in the church or in the home, to trust and obey the Lord in abundance or in need, we need a steady stream of encouragement. And the God of encouragement has richly provided for us in this good and wise command to encourage one another. So as you look at goals, if you look at resolutions for the year ahead, if you wonder, perhaps sitting here this morning, what, you know, I come to this church, I'm here regularly, I don't know what my role is, I don't feel like I have a function, I'm not serving in a, a ministry of the church, I'm not sure where I fit, I'm not sure what's needed. There are a variety of answers to that question if you're thinking about that, and, and I or any of the other elders would be happy to talk with you about that, but one ministry, one job description that never changes in your life as a follower of Jesus is to encourage the people of God to do something or to say something that would stir up another saint to love and trust and obey our gracious king. How are you doing with that, beloved? That would be something to consider. That would be something to pray about. That might be something to ask another brother or sister who knows you well. Am I doing my part in the body of Christ? This, this does have application beyond the body of Christ. But I'm, I'm just taking the one another here 
to, to it mean the church of the Thessalonians. So this is a call specifically to exhort one another, encourage one another in the fellowship of the church. But certainly this has rich application in our, it, <laughs> everywhere we go. But how, how are you an encouraging part of the body of Christ? Every day. Or are you discouraging? I'm not sure there's a middle ground as I was thinking about it. If you're not encouraging people regularly, then I think by definition you would be discouraging. I don't think you can find some neutral place where you're not encouraging or discouraging. If you're not encouraging, that is discouraging. So we are called to encouragement. I am aware uh, that some of us may have more of a pedigree towards being that kind of an encouraging person. Maybe you saw that modeled really well in your home growing up. Or maybe things are just going very well for you circumstantially, so you just, it just, it's easy for you to encourage and see things and affirm people and build people up. I, I do believe that some of us may be more uh, naturally and or supernaturally inclined toward this. But regardless of that, it is the call of each one of us to encourage one another. And each one of us who is in Christ has ample reason to be encouraged and thus to give encouragement. And I just said each one of us who is in Christ for a purpose. And that leads us to our second observation, the grounds for encouragement. The grounds for encouragement for every one of us who is in Christ is the gospel. Notice in our passage here, notice in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that the, the verse begins with the word, therefore. Do you see that? Do you see that in your Bible? It's a new year, I'll say it. You're not going to hear me say it much this year because I'm going to be preaching a whole lot for the next six months. But um, you do not, li do not listen to me because I'm loud. Do not be inclined to think that what I'm telling you is true because I'm loud. You should see it in the text. Whether I'm up here, Jeff's up here, Jason's up here, whoever's up here, see it in the text. You see it says, therefore. Therefore encourage one another. Therefore is pointing us back to what Paul has just said. And what he's just said, picking up in verse nine, is that God, and I, I don't want to pass over that word for, but I gotta, I gotta make some distinctions somewhere because you want to get out of here before two o'clock this afternoon. I get that. God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, because of that, because of what Christ has done, therefore, encourage one another. And so hear this as a word of encouragement to you, brother and sister in Christ. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's really encouraging. So encourage one another because you've been saved from God's righteous wrath that was due to you because of your sin against him. As sinners, really we were, in our sin, we were destined for wrath. 
Uh, It's called in the Old Testament a cup of wrath, a cup of staggering for those who would have to drink from it, a cup that was so dreadful that it made Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane stumble to the ground and sweat drops of blood as he contemplated the agony of having to drink that cup of wrath. It is a cup filled with fire and sulfur and a scorching wind, according to Psalm 11. Like a volcanic firestorm, a Mount St. Helens-like eruption of furious anger concentrated in a coffee mug, and we all should be forced to drink it because of our sin. That is the just penalty for taking the good gifts of God that he intended to promote worship of him and thanksgiving to him and instead ripping them away from him and using them in the service of our own kingdom and our own glory. Each of us has done that. And so we all stand to inherit this cup of wrath that causes some to stagger and to be crazed according to Jeremiah 25, 16. That is our inheritance, but Jesus. If you're here this morning and you haven't come to Jesus, that cup of wrath is what you stand to inherit. It is is your right now. I have, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I'm thrilled that you're here. We welcome you to come regularly here and listen to us talk about Jesus and worship Jesus. But if you're not trusting in Jesus, there's absolutely nothing of encouragement that I could possibly say to you other than repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Because you may feel like things are going well for you. You may feel like everything's great. Your relationships are great, maybe. Maybe you got money in the bank and you're in good health and things are just really clicking for you. But I've heard it put this way that really all of that that may seem encouraging to you, if you're outside of Christ, it's like being in an airplane that is tumbling, that is crashing. It's going down into the Atlantic Ocean and you're commenting on how refreshing the peanuts were. That's what it's like to experience encouraging things in this life but be headed towards the everlasting experience of the judgment of God in hell. And that's what all of us should be getting. But that all can change for you if you're here this morning outside of Christ. And for those of you who are here in Christ, it has changed for you because of Jesus. Because Jesus died for us. Jesus left heavenly glory and he drank that cup of God's holy and righteous wrath for all who would believe upon him. And when you, when you think of the wonders of Calvary, and when you think about what had to happen for you to obtain salvation, it really can't help but encourage you. When you consider your wretched and poor and pitiful state, when you consider what it means to have been dead in your trespasses and sins, to be enslaved to the devil and a child of wrath, destined to experience not only physical death, but eternal misery and ruin, drinking the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, being tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the lamb and of the holy angels with the smoke of your torment going up forever and ever, having no rest day or night. That is what we deserve 
That's, and, and because I just said about loud, that's in Revelation 14, verses 9 to 11. Don't listen to me because I'm loud. That's in Revelation 14, 9 to 11. You could look that up right now. I'm not just saying things to try to scare you. But when you think about that, is it not encouraging to think that we are now no longer destined for that, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus because he came and died for us? The Son of God so loved you that he came to rescue you. He suffered and he became like us. He, he took our sins and our sorrows and he made them his very own, dying the death that we deserved. He was buried in a cold, dark tomb and then on the third day he burst forth in resurrection life on that third day so that whether we are awake or asleep, what Paul means there is whether you're alive or whether you're dead, you might live with him. He gave us that hope. And, and, and as we wait for the final hope, he says even now in Christ, we're seated with him in heavenly places. We have the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And soon and very soon, he is going to come and he is going to make all things new. And he is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. He's going to make his dwelling among us. He's going to purge you and the whole world of every trace of sin. And we will feast in endless joy because Christ will be ours forever and ever. We will reign with him in glorified bodies. We will know eternal rest from our labors and we will know increasing abundant joy undiluted by any sorrow or pain with your God and his people and he says he's gonna surely keep you until that day. Amidst all the dangers and toils and snares we face, he says at the end of this letter, Paul says, he who calls you is faithful, he will do it. He will keep you soul and body blameless at that coming day. That's all very encouraging. To put it mildly. We have great grounds for encouragement, beloved, in every season and every circumstance. I do not live up to this truth well. I am preaching way above my experience right now. But my experience is not the limit for what I teach you. God's word is. And, and I, I know that that message is encouraging and is grounds for encouragement when my circumstances seem miserable. We always have grounds for encouragement in Jesus. If you haven't come to Jesus, why would you not come to Jesus with all that encouragement? Come to him today, receive him by faith, confess yourself to be a sinner and come to him right now. If you're unsure of what that would mean to come to him right now, I'd be glad to talk with you after the service, but you could do that right now in your seat. You repent of your sin, confess yourself to be a sinner, and receive Jesus as your savior, and, and you can be transferred from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's beloved son. And for us, for, for those of us who have received that, resting in Jesus, relying on Jesus, amazed by Jesus, we can, trusting in Jesus, indwelt by the Holy Spirit himself, who is the, the paraclete, right? You, know, you don't know Greek, but you know the word paraclete, right? It comes from the same word as this word parakaleo. We got the helper, encourager, comforter, advocate, 
Nobody knows how to translate it because it's such a rich, full word. We got him living in us, and so we can encourage one another. And so we move finally and briefly to the practice of encouragement. And there's a whole, there's a, there's a whole series of sermons here that I want to preach. And uh, what I'm going to do is just give you, I'm not going to give you most of that. Maybe I'll just cut one of my sermons that I'm doing in January and give you the other stuff. You can give me your feedback on whether that would be helpful or not. Let me, let me just give you the, the crash course version. Um, I'm give you five things about how to grow this week in the practice of encouragement. Um, number one, before you leave this morning, encourage someone in the Lord. We are not promised a blessing merely in the hearing of God's word. We're promised a blessing in the doing of it. This is not a hard word to understand. Before you leave this morning, encourage someone in the Lord. Number two, every day this week, pray that you personally and our church corporately would grow and would excel in this grace and discipline of encouragement. There's no prayer guide this week. Did you, I don't know if you noticed that when you came in, in all those inserts that were in your bulletin, there was not a prayer guide. Here's the prayer guide. Pray this week, every day, that you personally and our church corporately would grow and increase in this grace of encouragement. Number three, review the gospel every day this week. W- review the gospel. If that's vague to you, I put a paper on the, on the desk in the foyer that is a little page of bullet points that I have referred to over the last several years. I, I don't refer to it every day, but off and on for the last decade or so, I have referred to this paper just to remind me of what God has done for me in Christ what he's doing for me still by the presence of the Holy Spirit in me and what he promises to yet do on that final day. And I just put that back there if remember the gospel is a little vague to you. You could also go to a favorite passage of scripture like Ephesians 2, 1 to, 1 to 8, or Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. Or remind yourself of what God has done in rescuing you from your sin. I say this for two reasons. One is that I do not want you to think that you will earn favor with God by being an encouraging person this week. I don't want you to think that your relationship to God is at stake in how well you encourage. So remember the gospel for that reason and also remember the gospel so that you're reminded that even if your circumstances stink this week, you have reason to be encouraged and to give encouragement. Remember the gospel. Number four, this week, whether by personal visit or phone call or email or a text message, or a card, or whatever form, deliberately endeavor to encourage at least one saint from this church. I'm not saying you shouldn't encourage people outside of this church. I'm just understanding one another to be that defined group of people as the the members of the church together. Whether it's a visit, or a phone call, or an email, or a text, deliberately endeavor to encourage at least one saint. Now, it, was prob- it would probably be right here where I could give you 20 or 30 more minutes about like, what that actually looks like. 
Um, so I'm just going to pick on Mike and Melissa Durr because they're sitting right there in front of me. This is what this could sound like. Mike and Melissa Durr, pray for you this week. And I, I don't know if you're going through any difficult circumstances that might be discouraging to you, but I want you to know that I prayed for you, and I specifically prayed that you would know that God, in his grace, the Lord Jesus Christ and God your Father, he's given you eternal comfort and good hope through grace. And I'm praying that he would comfort your heart with that and that he would establish you in every good work and word that you're giving yourselves to this week. Be encouraged. Keep going. Keep fighting the fight of faith. I love you. I'm thankful you're still here and you didn't move when you could have just moved, but you came right here closer to the church. Praise God for you. Something like that. Are you with me on one to four so far? Encourage somebody this morning before you leave. Every day this week, pray. Review the gospel. Do something like that for somebody, a different somebody, every day of the week. And then number five, come back next Sunday. I'm not going to be heeding this one because we're going to be away next Sunday. But I will do it at some local church that we will be gathering in. Come back next Sunday thoughtful about who and how you might give some encouragement. Because if you're breathing, beloved, if you're breathing, we all, we all need encouragement. And if the church is to be encouraged, as God intends for her to be, it will be because God's people actively labor to be encouraging. When we encourage people, we, we take, if you envision a, a marathon runner running a race, I do not know this from experience, this is merely observation, but you, you, they're running and you could have all the discipline and all the drive and all the ambition in the world, the self-discipline to get up and train and do all that, on that day of the race, they need something from outside of themselves to get to the finish line. They need water. And so they have those people stationed all along the route, holding out cups of water for people as they run by. God has positioned us to be around each other as we run this race that we might generously, regularly, daily hand out cups of water to one another. Keep running. That, desti that, that destination line is gonna be glorious. Keep running that race set before you looking at Jesus. He means for us to be handing out the water of encouragement generously, and there's great reason to do so because of Jesus. So I love you, brothers and sisters. If you want the rest of the notes, let me know. But we want to get to the table and remember him there because that's encouraging too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We do pray that you would grant us the grace to walk in accord with your spirit and that you would help us to grow in this grace and discipline of encouragement. And we pray that we would be encouraged now as we go to the table, as we remember what Jesus suffered for us to rescue us from your wrath. May our souls be strengthened and freshly devoted to honoring you and praising you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.